episode 20. I could be wrong on that, so don't quote me <laughs> if, if it is more or less than that. But uh, we've been going with this podcast for a little while now. I'm grateful to get the feedback that I have, hearing back from people. Um, and I'm grateful for those who have taken the time to add their voices here. And just a reminder that you can do that. The option's always open at founded on Christ podcast at gmail and uh you know send in anything <laughs> uh recorded your testimony of Christ and uh, I'll do my best to put it up as soon as possible um today I want to talk about Laman and Lemuel and how they well they get a bad rap and they deserve a bad rap, but I want to talk about how that bad rap may be, may be more applicable to the general audience of the Book of Mormon than most people would think. So, <clears throat> to start off, I'm going to go to First Nephi chapter 15, and let's, let's see, I'm going to start, well, verses 1 through 3, just to give a little bit of context. And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, had been carried away in the spirit and seen all these things, I returned to the tent of my father. So after this amazing, wonderful experience that Nephi has, that you could akin to the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost and the uh, the amount of prophecy and revelation that he experienced after that was dramatic and strong. And he returns back to the everyday world, right? And it came to pass, I beheld my brethren, and they were disputing one with another concerning the things which my father had spoken unto them. And this is the tree of life. This is the vision that got Nephi started on his path, right? And they're, they're talking about that specifically. For he truly spake many great things unto them, which were hard to be understood. Save a man should inquire of the Lord, and they bring... And they being hard in their hearts, therefore they did not look unto the Lord as they ought. Okay, which is interesting. So they, you have Nephi and Laman and Lemuel, and they're kind of these two points in the road as to what happens with this vision when Lehi gives it. Nephi, who um, has his heart softened, by the way, which indicates that Nephi probably had some issues he had to work through. His heart was hard to begin with. He probably didn't necessarily agree with everything that Lehi said. I wish I had that scripture off the top of my head, but basically he, he said that he had to pray and have his heart softened, which means it was hard to begin with. So they have the starting point. Nephi softens his heart. He experiences not only that vision, but he moves on to a higher, grander vision. And then you have Laman Lemuel here, who their hearts are hard, so they never sought after the Lord like they should have. So he continues to talk to them about that. But one thing that I always thought was really interesting, verse 9, well, verse 8. And he, and he said unto them, this being Nephi, have ye inquired of the Lord? And they said unto me, <clears throat> sorry, and I said unto them, Nephi's talking in first person, have ye inquired of the Lord? And they said unto me, we have not, for the Lord maketh no such thing known unto us. Okay, let's talk about, there is a lot in that statement right there. Uh, when I came across that again recently, I was reminded of Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith history, we're going to go to chapter 1, well the whole thing's the one chapter, but to go to verse 21. So see if 
before I make connect the dots, maybe you can start to connect them for me. Uh, it says, some few days after I had this vision, I happened to be in the company with one of the Methodist preachers. Oh, I should explain. This is right after his first vision. And then he, he begins the process of sharing this. <clears throat> I happened to be in the company with one of the Methodist preachers who was very active in the before mentioned religious excitement. And conversing with him on the subject of religion, I took occasion to give him an account of the vision which I had had. I was greatly surprised at his behavior. He treated my communication not only lightly, but with great contempt, saying it was all of the devil. That there were no such things as visions or revelations in these days, and that all such things had ceased with the apostles, and that there would never be any more of them. <clears throat> and he continues to say that he soon found that telling his story, you know, what he had experienced, uh, elicited a lot of similar reactions, even to the point of persecution. Now, let's relate that to Laman and Lemuel, right? And I feel like there's a kindred spirit here. Uh, Laman and Lemuel, at this point, do not have their hearts open. They do not have their minds or their hearts open to the concept of this idea that the Lord can talk to them and to give them information and teach them. And you will see, just as the preachers who fought against Joseph fervently and angrily as he continued to preach about his, his personal experiences, Laman and Lemuel do the same. They continually tell Nephi that it's not possible for them to receive such things. They start to, uh, in, you know, in uncertain terms, they start to, uh, go after Nephi and his experiences saying that there's no way he could have had those things that he's just trying to lord over them right so they they put themselves through the sin of pride in this place where the lord obviously is not going to speak to us he's not going to tell us these things these visions these understandings of these religious things it's for higher more holier more religious people than us the lord maketh no thing no, no such thing known unto us and so I've been looking through their history a little bit, you know, Laman Lemuel, how they murmur. And I want to point to one thing, and there's probably many things that that make this, so this is what they do. But this is one of the things I think that they get hung up on so much that they cannot go and ask the Lord, that they harden their hearts so much. So we're going to go to 1 Nephi chapter 2, verse 13. Well, let's read verses 12 and 13, but 13 is the star here. And thus Laman and Lemuel, being the eldest, did murmur against their father, and they did murmur because they knew not the dealings of that God who had created them. Neither did they believe that Jerusalem, the great city, could be destroyed according to the words of the prophets, and they were like unto the Jews who were at Jerusalem, who sought to take away the life of my father. <coughs> so there's an indication here that one of the reasons that they're getting hung up on not being able to go to the Lord about these visions, about what Nephi and Lehi are experiencing, is that they don't believe from the onset the reason why they're out there. They do not believe that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. They think their father's crazy. So why do they think that way? What is the foundation, quote, you know, hint, hint, going back to last week, what is the foundation for that belief for them? Well, they actually, they say it, okay? And this is really eye-opening. Go to 1 Nephi chapter 17. Verse 22. Well, actually, 21 to 22. I'm, apparently, all these verses, I'm going to give a little bit of context. It says, Behold, these many years we have suffered in the wilderness, which time we might have enjoyed our possessions in the land of our inheritance. Yea, we might have been happy. 
22. And we know that the people who were in the land of Jerusalem were a righteous people, for they kept the statutes and the judgments of the Lord and all of his commandments according to the law of Moses. Wherefore, we know that they were a righteous people, and our Father have judged them, and have led us away, because we would hearken unto his words, yea, and our brother is like unto him. And after this manner of language did my brethren murmur and complain against us. This is huge, okay? And I think this actually also indicates the standing point for Laman and Lemuel, and why they're more related to the general body of the church than we think. These men... Now, you can take it two ways, but I take this that they were actually religious. They believed the scriptures. They believed what they'd been taught, but they believed that the elders in Jerusalem were righteous. They believed them to be men of God, and they did not believe that they were going to be destroyed. Now, if you study the history and you read Jeremiah, you know at this time that there is lots of corruption within the church. The leaders of the church, the Deuteronomists, are in full swing in editing the scriptures, in polluting them, and in using their religious uh, authority to put down the people. In very many ways, they are doing the exact same thing that they're doing when Christ comes to the people in Jerusalem. The religious authority is lording over the people and exercising unrighteous dominion. But here they are, they're telling their father, they're telling Nephi, no, we know that they're righteous men. They say such good things. You know, their talks that they give, the the scrolls that we read, they are righteous men. How could there be anything wrong with this system? And Nephi and Lehi are constantly trying to tell them, no, there is something wrong. They're going to be destroyed. They're not being righteous, okay? So they get so hung up on this specific thing that they don't allow themselves to move past it. It becomes a heavy set tradition. And as you read through the Book of Mormon with this verse in mind, when you talk, when you hear about Laman and Lemuel complaining, this is always, you can see the undertone of it. And notwithstanding this, if we go farther down, they get multiple witnesses to the fact that this isn't correct. First Nephi 22 Verse 4, And behold, there are many who are already lost from the knowledge of those who are at Jerusalem. Yea, the more part, of, more part of all the tribes have been led away, and they are scattered to and fro upon the isles of the sea. And whether they are, none, none of us knoweth, save that we know that they have been led away. And then even farther, Second Nephi chapter 1, verse 4, For behold, he saith, I have seen a vision in the which I know that Jerusalem is destroyed, and, and had we remained in Jerusalem, we should have also perished. So they get multiple witnesses. Granted, they are spiritual. They, they require somebody coming to the Lord and understanding for themselves that what they left for was true, <laughs> that, it, that it actually happened. They get multiple spiritual entry points for them to go and find the Lord. Now, I fully believe if they had inquired of the Lord at the same time that Nephi did, they would have gotten a spiritual witness the same, at least, you know, similar to what Nephi did, that they would have understood that, yes, there was corruption. There was, there was stuff that wasn't quite right in the religion at the time. And they could have had their hearts changed. Their hearts would have softened. 
once again, Nephi's heart was softened. So I think he probably was somewhat agreeable with his brothers on this, that he saw the righteousness of the people in Jerusalem, quote unquote, the righteousness that he saw. And when he, it's not until he softens his heart, asks the Lord, then he sees the sweeping grand vision of the apostasy and everything that's going to happen to the point that he becomes grieved for his family because he can see all the way down through time what is going to happen to them. So let's take this to the uncomfortable place, right? Laman and Lemuel are so caught up in their traditions that there's no way that there could be any corruption in their church leaders that it keeps them from going to the Lord and inquiring of him to get their answers from him, to get that great witness from him. And what does this do? This not only caused them to not get the answer, it hardens them harder. They become angry at their brother. They, they, to the point that once Lehi dies and all authority of the family has been taken away, you know, that, that was governing them is taken away. They seek after Nephi's life to the point that he has to be led away by the Lord to a completely different land where he can raise up his children, where he has to fight against them. He has to use the sword of Laban many times in the defense of his family against his family because they've hardened their hearts so much upon these traditions that are taught to them by men in Jerusalem. So for us, is it good enough? I'm going <laughs> to, the point blank question, is it good enough for us to just accept what we're taught on Sunday in lessons? Is it good enough for us to just accept what we're taught in general conference and say, that's good. The Lord maketh no such thing known unto us. We'll just keep talking to you, Nephi. You can answer all of our questions. We can get, you know, and, and they ask him at that same time, they ask him a bunch of questions. Nephi gives them the answers. We'll just keep having you give us the fish, Nephi. Thank you. Until the point that we can't stand you, and then we're going to seek after your life. They never reached beyond that because of the traditions that hung them up in the process of recognizing a true messenger when it was sent to them. So for all of us, let's not be like Laman and Lemuel here. Let's not believe the false tradition that's sent by Satan that the Lord will not answer your questions and petitions for truth. The whole point of coming down here and having the veil drawn between us is that we would learn to seek after Christ of our own volition and get his answers. I testify that the Lord does make such things known unto us. I testify that you have the right to truth and understanding that when you can break down that hardened heart, sometimes it is super calcified. Sometimes it is it is surrounded by stone and we have to go with it with the pickaxe and it's uncomfortable. It means forsaking some traditions. For Laman and Lemuel, it meant realizing the fallibility of those that were leading him before. It might mean something similar for each of us to realize that things may not be as perfect as we think they are, but Christ is perfect. Seeking his understanding through the Spirit will not fail you. <clears throat> he will lead you to truth. And in so doing, you will become a wise virgin. You will be ready for the bridegroom when he comes at the second coming in the days that the parable of the ten virgins is fulfilled. And with that, I plead with you to seek his face continually and say that in the name of Jesus Christ.